Well, welcome to Awakening. If you're new, my name's Ryan. We're absolutely thrilled that you would join us uh, Christmas Eve, uh, and it's such a joy. I mean, I just love seeing the kids all dressed up, and then adults, you look nice too, uh, and that's great. Hey, this evening, I want to tell you the Christmas story, uh, perhaps from... A different angle than you've heard it before. Maybe a, a different vantage point. Um, I, I want to tell you the Christmas story. Um, yeah. From, from a perspective that hopefully you'll see um, not so much the Charlie Brown Christmas story, which we're all familiar with. But I, I want to tell you the Christmas story in a way that perhaps for the very first time you would walk away and go, wow, that was the first time I ever really heard the Christmas story. In fact, on your program, you know, you know what it says. It says, uh, when heaven broke its silence. And um, unfortunately, I don't want to talk about when heaven broke its silence, although it says it on there and I should, uh, but I don't. Uh, when heaven broke its silence, when the angels showed up on that starry, silent night in the Judean hillside, and they declared glory to God in the highest. This is the Charlie Brown part of it that we've heard, that we know. Um, but here's the part that I want to tell us tonight, uh, is why heaven broke its silence. Why a baby? Why a manger? Why shepherds in the field? Why angels? Why? Why did heaven break its silence? And more to the point, which I think is at the heart of why we gather, why does Christmas really matter today for you and for me? Uh, to do that, I, I want to look at uh, the account that John, the gospel writer John, wrote about Jesus' life. Now, John, if you don't know, John was a disciple of Jesus. He was a follower of Jesus. He walked with them, talked with them. In fact, he, he probably was one of Jesus' closest friends uh, during Jesus' life and ministry on this planet. Uh, so much so that in John's account of Jesus' story, uh, he would never refer to himself as John. He always referred to himself this way, the disciple whom Jesus loved. Like, um, he just wanted everybody to know, hey, we're best buds, hello, um, and you're not. Uh, and so this is John, uh, and this John actually at Jesus' crucifixion, John, uh, Jesus asked John, he says, John, would you look after, would you take care of my mother, the mother of Jesus, Mary? And so from that day forward, John looked after, took care of Mary until she died. And so this John got to hear from Mary, the mother of Jesus, tell the story, retell the story. Can you imagine every single year is Jesus' birthday? I mean, Mary, she's going like, now, John, let me tell you about the birth of Jesus. Let me tell you how it went down. I know we've heard it before, um, but he's probably heard it a hundred plus times. I can only imagine, too, you know, if some of Jesus' brothers are there. You know, Jesus really was the perfect baby. Like, yeah, he was the son of God. Thank you very much. But, John, think about it. John heard 
all about the angel's announcement. John heard about the shepherds and the star and the wise men. Now, when John starts his account of the life of Jesus, he doesn't mention any of it. Not a single word. No wise men, no snar. He he doesn't even mention Mary and Joseph. I mean, Mary, who he's been looking and taking care of for years and years and years. Why? In fact, why is at the heart for where John starts his gospel? He doesn't just want to talk about when heaven broke its silence. He wants us to know with crystal clarity why heaven broke its silence. And so he begins his gospel, his account of the life of Jesus this way. In the beginning, that's a good place to start, by the way, was the word. It's as if John is wanting us to to remember and recognize that heaven broke its silence long before angels did on that silent night on the Judean hillside. It's as if John is wanting us to make sure and not miss that there's something bigger at play and at stake. In the beginning was the word. In the beginning. Whenever that is, whenever that was. You know, scientists tell us that um, the origins of the universe began 13.8 billion years ago. And so, before that. Before the Big Bang. Before all that we see All that exists in the beginning was the word. Now, this word in Greek word word is the word logos. It means the Greek understanding of it. The Greeks understood it to be the the uh, the mind that controlled the universe. The Jewish people believed that God spoke with the word and all things came into existence. So this word logos came to mean for the Jewish people that it was both the logos was God and the very expression of God. In the beginning was the word. Next slide. And the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. It's interesting that uh, Luc Ferry, he's a noted uh, French philosopher, atheist, says this about John's introduction to the account in the life of Jesus, that he says that when he refers to the beginning origins of humanity, beginning with the word, that the power behind the whole universe was not just an impersonal cosmic principle, but a real person who could be known and loved. John begins the account this way. This is amazing. Don't miss this. That in a a manger wrapped in swaddling clothes was God eternal. That, that, That you can't just simply dismiss him as a good man or a great teacher or as another revolutionary. But in the very beginning, he already existed as 
God himself. He goes on. He says, next slide. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. Now, if there is a beginning, we have to ask the question, how did it begin? Now, science has been able to tell us that uh, it began with this big bang, that there's this red shift and this ever-expanding universe pointing to this moment when all things, there's this origin and everything started together, this point. But what science hasn't been able to answer is how did it begin? What began it all? Where did this substance come from to begin it in the first place? And even the deeper question is, with a finite amount of time, how in the world did we end up with life? Specifically, intelligent life. Through him, all things were made. And so born in a manger the creator of the universe. Now, here's why this is such a big deal. If you were made, then you have purpose. If you were created, then there is meaning to your life. If this is all happenstance, a cosmic accident, if you will, then there is logically no meaning or point. We're simply just bodies filled with chemical reactions, nothing more. However, if you were created, if I was created, if we were made, then there is meaning and purpose for every single person on this planet. And here we're starting to get closer to why John begins exactly where he does. And isn't it interesting, by the way, that every single one of us is on this search for meaning. Whether you believe in God or not, whether you believe in Jesus or not, isn't it fascinating that every single person on the planet is longing for something to bring life? It might be your job. It might be success. Somehow, you might be trying to find it in relationships or with your kids or trying to live a good life. But every single one of us is in a singular pursuit for meaning, for purpose, ultimately, life. John goes on. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. You see, born in a manger 2,000 years ago was the source of life. And the reason he was the source of life is because he is the author of life. And he goes on. That light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Mary, think about this. Mary cradled in her arms the very source of light, life that was the light of the world. We live in a fairly dark world, don't we? 
In fact, uh, some would say this year has been a pretty dark year. I think a lot of us would. I think sometimes that's why we look forward to new years, a fresh start, a new beginning, and a hoping that the darkness won't overcome that new year, that we can somehow wipe away the previous year and then look forward to a new year. The question isn't darkness, is it? But the question is, how do you end it? Many would say to end the darkness that there is a light within us, that we have the solution within us, and, and it's just in our intellect or possibly in innovation that we can end the darkness. If we just know more, if we are better educated, then, then we can end the darkness around us and then the darkness within us. If we just have another technological advancement, that will be the solution and the savior for the world. And the problem is, is we have more education. We have more advancement. And unfortunately, we have more darkness, don't we? See, Christmas reminds us, by the way, that the solution isn't inside of us. It is outside of us that we need help, that we can't help ourselves, and that the light of the world has come, and darkness cannot overcome it or put it out. Now, John's going to get to the point here. Okay, why? Why did he start where he started in this philosophical ranting, why did he begin here? He writes, He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He was in the world. Eternal God was in the world. Creator of the universe was in the world. The source of all life, I don't think you get it, the source of all life was on the planets. The light that overcomes the darkness showed up, and the world did not recognize it. He came to that which was his own. But his own did not receive him. Have you ever been driving and you see someone you know who's walking by and you wave at them and they don't recognize you? This happened to me the other day. I was driving in my neighborhood and I was waving to my neighbor Rich and I'm waving as I drive by. And he just, and it was funny, is people give you the weirdest looks when they do not recognize you? You know, like, who? How dare you wave at me and I don't know you is kind of the look I take when I wave at them like that. You know, they go like, who are you? And they kind of keep looking past after you drive to try to figure it out. And we all know what happens, right, is, is what happens is there's a glare on the windshield. And so all they see is the car and they see someone waving, but the glare has covered the face. And we realize it's just the glare, so you see the person, but you don't recognize the person. You see them, but you don't really see them. I think perhaps that's where many of us walk in tonight. That we walk in to a moment where perhaps we've even heard the Christmas story a hundred times. Baby in a manger, got it. 
But could it be that the glare of tradition or religion has kept you from really seeing who Jesus really is? Could it be that the glare of hypocrisy of some people who claim to be followers have kept you from seeing who Jesus really is? Could it be that the glare, the glare of just sheer busyness, of the Silicon Valley and the hectic franticness of life that has kept you from even being attentive to your own soul has kept you from seeing who Jesus is or the glare of others' approval and always trying to seek and gain their approval for your worth. Or maybe it is the glare of pain or regret. Maybe where you feel like if there is a God, if this Jesus is real, he wouldn't want me and he wouldn't love me anyways. Hmm. John goes on. Yet to all who did receive him, (laughs) check this, who paid attention, who noticed, hey, I think that's the eternal God right here. Hello, I believe that's the creator of the universe in Jesus. I'm getting the funny feeling this is the source of life, the light for humanity to those who believed in his name. Now, this is an interesting thing about belief, by the way. In the Bible, belief is not blind belief that you throw out your, or blind faith that you throw out your brains. That you, belief means that you've examined, that you've reckoned, that you've come to a solid conclusion. Belief is not just an intellectual activity that you do. In fact, Belief biblically means to say that I have examined and evaluated and as a result put my full weight and trust upon. That I've examined this stool that is trustworthy for my weight and so as a result I put my entire weight on the stool. To those who believe, who examine who Jesus really is, and then decide to put their entire weight of their life on to Jesus. He gave the right to become children of God. You were made for a purpose. You were made for something, more specifically someone for a personal, ongoing love relationship with the God of the universe. You see, the birth of Christ told the world something, and it tells us something, at least two things when we celebrate this season. First, it tells us that God is with us. Emmanuel which literally means God with us, that God visited the planet. It's no ordinary man. This is the God man, 100% human, 100% divine. Now, this is fantastic. Not just that God hasn't abandoned you, 
Not just that you're not left on your own, but this is what's so incredible about God with us is that God understands. God understands what it's like to be rejected. Understands what it's like for people to betray him and to turn their back on him. What it's like to go without and to have unanswered prayers. You come to a God who's with you and who understands, who is not distant but close. And the second thing it tells us is that God is for you. That he's not against you. That God is for you. In fact, John would later pen the most famous verse, I believe, in all of the Bible. In fact, if you've never opened the Bible, you probably know this verse. He wrote, for God so loved. By the way, that's pretty amazing that his disposition towards you is just one of love. The world that he gave. His one and only son, that whoever believes, there's our word again, believe, put your full weight in him, will not perish but have eternal life or life to the full now and forever. Well, how do you know God is for you? First, he came for you. He died for you. He rose again to new life, defeating death, so you don't have to fear anymore. This is why heaven broke its silence. Have you ever recognized this Jesus? <laughs> that this baby in a manger whose shepherds gathered around, who the angels declared and the wise men from afar brought gifts that has turned into just kind of a thing we do this year. Have you ever recognized, did you ever realize that this baby wrapped in swaddling cloth was the eternal God? Did you realize that this baby in a manger was the creator of the universe. Did you know that Mary cradled in her arms the very source of life? You see, you were made for a purpose. You were made for a personal relationship with the God of the universe. And what's interesting is that since we all are on this pursuit for meaning, whether we're looking for it in our work or with people, is what John tells us, is even though that we're on this search for life itself, that life itself was searching for us, Jesus. For unto us, child is born. Unto us, a son is given. And of the increase of the government will be on his shoulder, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And this evening, just simply, is would you take a fresh look at Jesus this baby born in a manger, cradled in Mary's arms, 
and examine. I mean, think about this. This is incredible. That 2,000 years later, we're still talking about him. That the most powerful person in his day, Caesar Augustus, the emperor of Rome, is but a footnote in this rabbi turn, or this carpenter turned rabbi's story. And would you consider receiving Jesus, recognizing? That God is with you and God is for you. And that is why we celebrate and why Christmas is such a big deal. God, thanks for tonight. Thanks for our time together. Thank you that we have experienced you. That we celebrate Not a person that lived a long time ago, but we celebrate the living, eternal God who invites us into a relationship with you today. And so, God, I ask that you would allow us, if for the first time or for the thousandth time, to look at one with wonder once again. The incredible reality of divinity becoming humanity. The limitless one limiting, somehow limiting into becoming a human being for our sake and for love's sake. In Jesus' name, amen.